All right, it's been a minute, but don't uh, don't freak out. We're back. The Mike Farrell Sports Show is back again. My name is Adam, and Mike Farrell is with me. Mike, it's been a while. Hope all is well with you. We got a, a couple of little nuggets of uh, football talk to get to today. I'm excited to talk recruiting, talk some NFL drafts, some spring stuff, and I might twist your arm in some XFL talk. So stay around to the end, folks. I know Mike's a big XFL watcher, mm-hmm. but uh, but Mike, first off, man, let's no. just check in with you. How you doing? How's life? What's going on with you? Uh, it, it's just a joyride. I mean, it's a constant okay. joyride. Um, you know, you got sick. You got deathly sick. You got COVID, right? And then you were sick before. And then you, so we missed a bunch of podcasts because you were sick. Um, sure. Then we did one. And then I said, you got to, you got to remind me. You got to, I'm, 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 I don't like doing podcasts until I'm mm-hmm. doing them. I don't like scheduling them. I don't like coming down here to the office. I don't like being on camera. I don't like any of it, any of it. So when we schedule something, you and I, like today, I texted you this morning to see if you were alive and, and we scheduled noon. All morning, I'll be like, "Ugh, I got to go down there and do this. But once I get on, then I, I like it. Have you ever had anything like that where you enjoy it, but you never want to go do it? Um, you know what? I, I can tell you a little story really quickly. I was coaching a flag football team, Mike. Have you ever coached a, any sort of youth football? Because um, if, if you haven't, you, you don't want to do it. It's not. It's such a such a waste of my time. All these kids, they were 10 and 11-year-old kids. Never. And all they did was hump each other in practice and try to hit each other in the nuts. Like it was just, it was ridiculous. We ended up four and three on the season, but I'm over here trying to teach the slant route. And I got kids over here, like trying to pants each other. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I would never do it. Yeah. You shouldn't, by the way, I, I can't imagine. Oh you enjoyed it, is what you're saying. No, I did not actually. I, so I got to call plays. I was the offensive coordinator. So I was calling plays that I enjoyed. I enjoyed dialing up some, you know, I, I had a bit of a lane Kiffin in me when I knew the play was good. I'm on the sideline, you know, screaming touchdown already. So, I think I ruffled some parents' uh, feathers on the other teams. I don't care, though. Well, I've seen that, you know, where uh, youth football kids are doing dances and they're not paying attention to stuff. I wouldn't have the patience to do it, but but I, I don't know what it is about podcasting. You know, I, I think we do an okay job, and I know this lead into this. The first minute is extremely boring, so anybody yeah. who did tune in is probably tuned out by now. Mm-hmm. But I just don't like, I don't know. I don't like it, but I, I got, I got to do it. I have to do it. So you have to like nudge me and annoy me, you know, and not get sick anymore. And then we'll do it more often. And then the, we were doing the, what Microsoft is the world. So they were doing really well. People yeah. were liking them. And then I just stopped that too. So, so hopefully, you know, we're going to talk about Dylan Riola, uh, the quarterback, you know, 2024 quarterback was committed to Ohio state and Nebraska and Georgia and USC and stuff. We're going to talk about some fun stuff that people are going to be like to hear the inside information on this. We're going to talk about the college football spring. Uh, we're going to talk about the NFL draft. We're going to talk about great stuff and people are going to enjoy it. Um, I just, I think I get frustrated because I, I expect a hundred thousand people to watch. <laughs> I don't know why. Why is that? Why do I expect that? Well, I think if you want to, you know, you're going to put your heart and soul into something, Mike, you want to make sure people love it. And I think they're going to love this, this, this show. You've already laid it out nicely. Um, and let's start off with recruiting news. Uh, that's obviously the bread and butter of, of Mike Farrell. Again, MikeFarrellSports.com, where you can catch up a lot of that, uh, that activity, that action that Mike's posting. And, and probably the most uh, popular name out there right now, you mentioned is Dylan Riola, um, number one recruit according to 24-7 Sports. Um, at one point, an, an Ohio State commit. 
Uh, he's out of Arizona, Mike. Seems like two schools are really kind of right there for uh, for his services right now. Nebraska, where he's got some family legacy, of course. And then Georgia, which is, of course, Georgia. Mike, yeah. what's what's the latest with Dylan Raiola? How, how serious do you think the family ties may be for him in Nebraska? Georgia's tough to turn down. What do you think, uh, where do you think Dylan Raiola is at right now? Yeah, so, and I, the reason I was just looking the other way is because I have to do that bet online one too, which I haven't done in a while. The, yeah. the advertisement for bet online. So don't let me forget that. But Raiola, so here's the thing. Originally, it was reported by somebody I know that the Raiola visit to Nebraska uh, a weekend ago was just a hangout with the guys type of trip. He was going there. His uncle is a coach at Nebraska. His dad played at Nebraska. You know, and I was like, oh, my God, that's just bad reporting. It's horrible reporting. No offense to Lincoln, Nebraska, but you're not going there in late February to hang out with the boys. You're just not. This is a business trip. Everything that Dylan Royal is going to be doing. And remember, he was committed to Ohio State, um, decommitted from Ohio State. They've moved on. He's moved on. Uh, but this is a five-star kid. I don't know if I've got him as the number one player in the 2024 class. I'm still working on those rankings right now. Uh, but he's, he's a five-star quarterback. Um, he's not going to Lincoln, Nebraska to hang out with his uncle. He's just not. So he did hang out with his uncle. And this is the thing. It was the dead period, but the uncle has uh, obviously previous standing relationship with him. He's a relative. He's allowed to hang out with him. Um, obviously, the coaches aren't supposed to have contact with him on campus, mm. but if Dylan Ryan was on campus, they're having contact with him. And the NCAA doesn't give a crap about that because the NCAA doesn't give a crap about anything except apparently cheeseburgers that Jim Harbaugh is buying uh, and, you know, Chick-fil-A bags at Tennessee. They don't care about this whole NIL million. Oh, that's not true. Hold on, Mike. Here, the, uh, transfer portal. The University of University. Miami women's, women's basketball team do. got slapped uh, yeah. because <laughs> they, they went to dinner. I mean, come on. They're all over this stuff. So I will tell you this, though. I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago, and this is slowly churning and it's slowly going to come out. Jaden Rashada situation, the kid who committed to Miami, then flipped to Florida, then had the deal in place at least in his mind with Florida, um, you saw the the money. I don't even remember how many millions of dollars it was, but it was ridiculous. 13. Um, yeah, so, you know, he had his wants and his asks from his agent and, and, and family. Uh, Florida never was in on board with that whatsoever. They weren't on board with any number close to that. And then the kid walked away from it. He ends up going to Arizona State, which does not have that type of NIL money, which isn't going to NIL him that way. Kenny Dillingham will get him his NIL money once he plays. And if he has a career like Jaden Daniels, who's not at LSU, he'll make a lot of money there. But he's not getting this guaranteed money, and nor was he going to get it at Florida. Um, so the NCAA is investigating his recruitment specifically. That means they're going to investigate Miami. That means they're going to investigate Florida. It means they're going to investigate Arizona State. It means they're going to investigate TCU, Oregon, Washington, uh, Cal, um, all the schools that came after him, you know, and some of them came at him the right way. Some of them came out on the wrong way. He's probably going to be the NIL example that the NCAA wants to use and hammer somebody, um, you know, a slap on the wrist for the basketball players is not it. Um, they need to come down hard and firm on somebody to tell everybody, listen, you know, I know we didn't put a lot of guidelines in here, but the one guideline we put in was that you can't pay players to play for your university. And that's what these booster groups and collectives are doing in conjunction with coaches. It's not happening everywhere. It's happening some places. So that's a little sidebar. Raiola is not involved in any of this stuff. Obviously, NIL is going to come into play. He'll get amazing NIL you know, dollars at Nebraska being a legacy. 
and that hungry fan base and the amount of uh, you know donors they had for that program. But he would also get that at USC, where he's also looking, and Georgia, of course, as well. So my intel on this, after that visit, I read somebody wrote this, and I'm not going to call out names. But, you know, I pretty much hate everybody in this industry, but still I refuse to call out names. It was a, just a guy's trip, and I laughed out loud. You know, and then it came out that it was not just a guy's trip. This was a serious visit. And then Raiola started getting all these crystal ball predictions. He got like three or four mm-hmm. of them uh, to Nebraska. And I'm like, okay, it's, it wasn't a guy's trip, but let's slow the rule here a little bit. I mean, I don't have him going to Nebraska. I have it close to a 15 to 20% chance. Um, which is better than roughly the 0% before Matt Rule was hired. Uh, but I still have him leaning towards Georgia. But that 15 20% is slowly climbing. He is considering Nebraska more than he ever has before. He had a great visit. It's a great place, program, family tradition for him. That being said, he's weighing these two things. You know, do I want to go to Nebraska and run for my life and go <laughs> potentially five and seven, you know, every year? Uh, and I think Matt Rule will do better than that. Or do I want to go to Georgia, never lose a game, win a couple national championships, be a three and out kid and go, you know, obviously top five in the NFL draft. Or do I want to go to USC, put up pinball numbers, win a Heisman, as everybody under Lincoln Riley does, and also get drafted top five. So that's kind of what he's weighing right now. Uh, I think the, he's leaning towards the actual winning and, and NFL draft over family tradition and how cool it would be to play in Nebraska. Mike, why did he drop Ohio State? What What's behind his decommitment from OSU? I don't know. I mean, that was a weird one because it's a good system for him. They've had success, obviously. You know, you go back to Dwayne Haskins and, and you know, his draft status. You go back, obviously, to Justin Fields and his draft status. Now C.J. Stroud. We're going to get to the draft a little bit later. He's a, a first rounder for sure, top five pick. Um, it's a good, Joe Burrow was there, transferred out, ended up being number one overall pick. So it's a good place for quarterbacks. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, it's not Ryan Day. It's not the staff. It's certainly not the talent that they put together. It's not the potential of winning because they're going to win. Uh, and it's certainly not, um, you know, the, the, the draft status. I, I think it was a decision that was made too early. I think he wanted to open things up. But the weird part about it is when he decommitted from Ohio State, I thought he would really open things up. I thought he would, you know, have like a 10 schools to watch. And I thought he would take a ton of visits and, you know, narrow it down to five and then three. He really came out and it was initially um, Georgia and USC. And, and Nebraska snuck in there when Rule was hired. Obviously, he looked at Nebraska, but he wasn't going to go to that, that mess. But Matt Rule being hired as a good coach, NFL guy really helped. Um, I don't know. I don't know the, the actual answer to that. What I think happened is that he decided to back off and, and open things up. And I think Ohio State might have got pissed and said, hey, it's fine by us. We're Ohio State. We're going to get somebody good. Um, it also might have been, you know, their, their late 2024 recruitment of quarterbacks. You know, they were mm-hmm. in on guys late. They were trying to flip some guys. You know, at 2023, sorry. Maybe they told him he was going to be the only guy. I don't know. But that's my assumption. But it, it went sour quick at Ohio State. Um, right now, Georgia has another quarterback in this class, Ryan Puglisi. Um, I don't think that deters Raiola. I, I know he would prefer to be the only quarterback in a class, but I don't think he's worried about that. 
because he he in most quarterbacks feel they can compete with anybody. Um, Nebraska, he would be the only guy. Uh, USC has Malachi Nelson in the 2023 class, who to me he's my number one player in the country, um, and a perfect fit for Lincoln Riley's system. So I think Georgia is the place that makes the most sense for him when it comes to playing time. Uh, Nebraska makes the more most sense when it comes to family, and USC geographically um, and statistically probably makes the most sense. All right, a couple other names in that uh, in that twenty twenty four class. I know you're watching is uh, a big David Stone, D lineman out of IMG in Bradenton, six four two seventy. Right now, uh, most projections are an Oklahoma lean for David Stone. I think there's some Michigan State talk out there as well. Mike, what's the latest with his recruitment? Who's in on the the big fella out of Bradenton? Yeah, so he's from Oklahoma. I have him going to Oklahoma. But I did hear after I, I had written something about Oklahoma being the favorite and Michigan State is, you know, they have connections to Oklahoma. They, they, they have landed uh, a couple or, or been in on a couple big fish and landed uh, a big fish from Oklahoma when it comes to defensive linemen. They have a tremendous connection there uh, on the coaching staff. So, so when you look at this, you know, IMG kid from Florida, you think, well, why Oklahoma and Michigan State? Um, he's from Oklahoma, so that's why. And Michigan State has that connection. Uh, there's other schools involved, obviously, as a five-star kid, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the world, all those schools want him, Texas, you know, you name it. Um, but I did hear that there's sort of an internal conflict family-wise when it comes to Oklahoma. He wants to play there. That's his favorite school. Uh, Brent Venables, defensive coach, you know, recruiting him very strongly. Uh, but there are some in his family that want him to get away from Oklahoma, and that's why they sent him to IMG, just away from you know, local influences. I'm not saying bad influences. I'm not saying good influences. I'm just saying something different. Uh, less people in his ear, less comfort being close to home. Uh, and that's why Michigan State has an outside shot here. But I think the all in all, in the end, he's going to pick Ohio, uh, Oklahoma. Um, he will take a bunch of visits. Uh, this is an important one for them. You know, they had a bad year. Six and seven is not acceptable at Oklahoma. Brent Venables is already, you know, being talked about as a guy that's maybe over his head. Recruiting went well last year, though. Um, they, they did a good job, and they got a very, very good class. Um, they need another one. And, and the reason I liked their class uh, last year so much was on the defensive side of the ball. It was a very strong defensive class. Offense is not an issue for Oklahoma. I don't think it's really ever going to be an issue for Oklahoma. I think they'll always be able to put up points. I think they'll always be able to get, you know, quarterbacks, Jackson Arnold, the five-star last year. Uh, but it's defense. And so landing Peyton Bowen in the end, the kid who was committed to Notre Dame, that was committed mm -hmm. to Oregon, that was going to sign with Oregon, ended up committing and signing with Oklahoma. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the full name, but I call him, you know, Adipoju, he's the uh, defensive end from Missouri uh, that committed there, 6'4", 240, amazing. Uh, I'll try his last name, Adipoware, and I think that's right, but I mangled <laughs> you, you could have said You could have said anything, I believe. DJ, yeah, D DJ Uwangalele, uh, I used to get Uwangalele. Uh, I had so many different pronunciations. I still don't think I'm right, uh, and there's many other examples of that where I'm just going to call them a nickname. So I'm going to call this guy AA from now on. Um, AA, you know, from Missouri, 6'4", 240, a tremendous athlete. You know, Michael Vick, uh, McCarty Vickers, um, you got a lot of really good defensive players it, in here. It would be great if Michael Vick Oklahoma. went there too, by the way. Now, 
Uh, did you see Stroud? Stroud said his two. Um, now, again, this was taken out of context. CJ Stroud was asked, you know, who are the guys he looks up to are when it comes to playing, you know, and yeah. he's like, I, I, I think, uh, you know, I like Michael Vick. I grew up, you know, and I like Deshaun Watson, you know, and then so somebody wrote an article saying CJ Stroud looks up to Michael Vick and Deshaun Watson. And I'm like, oh my God, this poor kid. This is how it works. This is how the draft combine works. They ask stupid questions. You answer them. It's taken out of context. It goes viral for like an hour. Then you read the, you, you, you read, you, you look at the entire interview. You're like, that's not what he said at all. Um, but that's my Michael Vick story. So, you know, so here's the thing with Lincoln Riley, the fans were all upset that the offense was great. The defense stunk and the defense always let them down in the end in the playoff. They couldn't stop anybody. They had to outscore everybody, blah, blah, blah. Now the offense was very average last year. Um, the defense was still wasn't good. They're losing games. Now they want offense back. But I will tell you this, Oklahoma fans, and, and many of the smart ones know this, the defense is where you're going to make the playoff, make your run at a national title. And he's shoring that up. And David Stone will be part of that class, I think. I'll ask a dumb question here, Mike, but obviously Oklahoma is Oklahoma. They're always going to be in the mix for top recruits. But now that we know for a fact, now it's settled that they're going to be in the SEC you know, next season. How does that impact the recruiting at all? Will they get a bump by going in the SEC or will it be negligible because Oklahoma is Oklahoma? It doesn't matter what conference they're in. I think it'll help them. I mean, you know, Texas A&M got a bump when they moved to the SEC. Um, and I think it's really advantageous for Oklahoma specifically because, you know, when Texas moves to the SEC, Texas is still, you know, the crown jewel of the state of Texas. Uh, but they'll be in the SEC with a partner. Texas A&M, and they'll be there also with LSU, which is right over the border that comes into Texas. Oklahoma's it. I mean, Oklahoma State's not going to the SEC. There's nobody else in that in that particular region. Um, you know, Arkansas is next door, but it's really kind of Oklahoma. And I think, you know, the state of Oklahoma doesn't produce a ton of great players, you know, but a kid like Stone is one of them. And I think they're going to be even stronger when it comes to a home state advantage. Um, and I think the SEC is going to make them a little bit stronger going into Texas, even though Texas A&M and Texas are in the SEC, they'll be able to go in and recruit those kids that are maybe looking at TCU, maybe looking at Baylor, uh, Texas Tech or, you know, Oklahoma State and sell the SEC. So it's going to help them if they're successful. Um, a couple of years ago, when when Lincoln Riley was still there and the announcement came that they were going to the SEC, I thought they were in much, much better shape than Texas. Um, I thought they were a winning program. I thought they would shore up the defense a little bit with their recruiting ability in the SEC. One year later, Texas is in much better shape to go to the SEC and be successful, uh, which is kind of crazy to think about. But Riley's gone. You know, Venables is still untested, unproven. Uh, Sark, you know, jury's out. Um, you know, whether they had nine wins last season or eight wins last season, not great, not bad. This is going to be a big season for Sark, but I think Texas, if they win this year, and if Oklahoma goes from six and seven to maybe eight and four in the regular season, uh, Texas is going to be like that team that every kid wants to go to if they win 10 games this year. All right, back on the recruiting trail. Um, another name to talk about, Jaden Davis, quarterback out of Charlotte. Um, I think Michigan, Mike, if I read this correctly, is sort of the the school for him. At least that's mm -hmm. what most are thinking right now. Uh, do you have any update on Jaden Davis? Is he is he locked to, to go blue? So it's been forever that he's been a lock to go blue. It's been literally, 
eight, nine months, you know, last summer he was supposed to commit to Michigan. He didn't, he's held off, you know, he's, he's good. I mean, some people have him as the number one quarterback in this class. I do not, but I can see where they're coming from. You know, he's six foot, he's 192. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but you know, we're going to talk about Bryce Young soon. He's not either. Uh, he has good pocket present accuracy. His, his arm is fine. Uh, there's really no issues there. I don't think he's the number one quarterback. I don't think he's a five-star, but a lot of people do. Um, that being said, you know, uh, Jim Harbaugh has been under sort of a little bit of, of criticism for not landing a big five-star quarterback. And I know a lot of people like J.J. McCarthy is a five-star. Uh, back when I was ranking, we, we did not. Uh, he was a high four-star, good player, but not that guy. Um, Jaden Davis would be a great addition for Michigan because they can transition from J.J. McCarthy to Jaden Davis, continue that qu quarterback run where Harbaugh's not developing guys, you know, like Ma I know Cade McNamara was a four-star, but you know, we all know he had his limitations. Um, you know, before that, some average, average quarterbacks. Um, he really needs to keep this going. The problem is, you know, Jaden Davis hasn't committed and nobody knows why. Uh, I think the original delay, at least the most recent delay, was because Harbaugh flirting with the NFL. So sure. when you look at it, when he was about to commit last summer, Harbaugh was coming off the Minnesota Vikings flirtation. Uh, now, you know, he's thinking about the flirtation with the Denver Broncos. And I don't think he's ready to jump on board. Now, he could over the next couple months. I think he wants to make a decision by the end of the spring. Um, UNC is charging hard here. Uh, Clemson is a quiet one to watch. Clemson's just kind of sneaky. The way Dabo approach, approaches things with the aw shucks and the, and the culture and this, that, and the other is, is very, very, uh, it's important to kids. He's not coming at them with flashy NIL stuff, but either is UNC, either is Michigan. So it's going to come down to those three schools. I still have Michigan for him, but this is not as much of a slam dunk as we thought it was last summer. And the longer he waits, it's like one of those things. The longer this goes, you know, like with anything, a football game, boxing, you know, uh, any sport, the longer it goes, you know, the, the more a, a team has uh, an opportunity to, to or an individual has an opportunity to sort of make a comeback here. So every day that this increases uh, in time, I think is is good for UNC and Clemson. All right, that's the quarterbacks of the future, Mike. Let's talk about the quarterbacks that are going on right now. Spring football will be starting up soon for, for many programs, obviously, over the next couple of months. And obviously, a couple of schools are going to have some interesting quarterback battles that I know you're keeping a close eye on. And let's start first with, with Alabama. Obviously, they have, they have two guys, Milroe and Simpson, who are, who are probably in a bit of a battle. But before I get to that, Mike, I don't think I've gotten your commentary on your thoughts on Tommy Reese's fit as offensive coordinator at Alabama and what you think of that hire of, of Tommy Reese heading down, down to Tuscaloosa? Well, it's going to be much more run heavy than it has been in the past. Um, you know, and I think that's what Saban wants. Um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things we're seeing the same thing in the NFL, you know, Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore is booted. Mike McCarthy with the Cowboys, you know, comes out stupidly and Nick Saban would never do this, but stupidly says what, he didn't like about Kellen Moore is the fact that he wanted to, you know, light up the scoreboard all the time, throw the ball all the time. He need more balance running the ball. I thought the Cowboys were balanced. Alabama's balanced running wise. I mean, Jameer Gibbs had a, a good season. They put out a first round running back, you know, Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, they just continue to turn out running backs, but there has been some question about 
dominating the clock, dominating the line of scrimmage, and how physical Alabama is on offense compared to how they used to be. So this isn't going to be the Derrick Henry year, you know, where he single-handedly carries them to a national title and the quarterback play is extremely average, but it will be closer to that than we've seen in the past. Um, Tommy Reese at Notre Dame didn't have the weapons he has at Alabama, sure. uh, but it doesn't matter. He liked to run the ball. He liked to establish the line scrimmage. He liked to use the tight end. Obviously, when you have Michael Mayer, you want to do that. Um, that's what Saban wants. Saban wants to go back to a pro-style offense that is really run heavy and then throw the ball um, you know, as, as an extension of the run game as well, you know, short passes, things like that. And so I don't think it's a great hire. I mean, I, I think there were better guys perhaps out there, um, you know, that they could have hired. Um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting because Tommy Reese, if you don't win a national title at Alabama, you're not a good coach. You know, mm-hmm. um, Bill O'Brien put up, really good numbers offensively for two straight years. You know, um, it went to the national title game and lost, didn't go to the playoff this past year. Now he's talked about as the offensive coordinator in Alabama that wasted the best quarterback they've ever had in Bryce Young. That's his legacy at Alabama now. Um, he lost, I believe, four games total, including a national title game. Uh, if Tommy Reese does that in two years and doesn't win a national championship, he's going to be considered a, a failure yeah. of a hire. And that's a high bar. Um, so Reese is really up against it. And I just don't know in this day and age, like Saban was run heavy, then he had to open things up. And, and Tua was kind of the guy that they opened things up with, you know, and, and Mac Jones since then and Bryce Young since then. He kind of changed to the times where you have to throw the ball a lot. And I think Saban wants to go back a little bit in time. And I don't think that's the right move. Well, Tommy Reese is going to have a, a big first decision to make with the quarterback. We saw Milrow a little bit last year fill in for, for Bryce Young when he was out. Um, who do you think has the inside track in this QB job? Who do you think will end up getting the ball for Alabama? I think uh, Milrow, but um, a lot of people think Ty Simpson. You know, I, I'm not there in Tuscaloosa, so I haven't had a chance to evaluate Ty Simpson, you know, since he's been in Alabama. Uh, there's a lot of people down there that talk, you know, very highly of him. Uh, you know, the way maturity sees the field, accuracy, all those things. And we got to see Jalen Monroe a little bit last year. And we saw the dynamic ability to run the football. You know, he was very Jalen Hurts-like. Jalen Hurts at Alabama was an unrefined, you know, inaccurate quarterback who could extend the play and hurt you with his feet and complete passes, but at a, a, you know, less than efficient clip. And I think that's what Monroe is. Um, He's... But he, is he an extension of the run game? I mean, it, are you going to design uh, running plays for him and, and utilize him as a big running back in, in, at times, whereas you can't do that with Simpson? So it really depends on what they want to do offensively. I would lean towards Milrow because of you know his experience um, and the fact that he can be utilized as an extra runner in that offense, and that's what Reese wants. Uh, but I think it's a toss-up right now. I, I'd give Milrow the advantage, though. Another team looking for a quarterback because their quarterbacks in the draft is also Ohio State. Mike, and they have a couple names that they're looking at. Kyle McCord, Devin Brown are the two names essentially you're hearing out of Columbus. Handicap that one for us. Who do you think has the inside track as the heir apparent to Mr. C.J. Stroud? Yeah, and for some reason, Tristan Gebbia transferred there from Oregon State. He was a kid who 
from Calabasas, committed to Nebraska, didn't do great there, went to Oregon State, found a good fit there, lost his job though. So I, I can see why he transferred, but I mean, if I'm, if I'm Tristan Gebbia, I'm not picking Ohio State. I mean, maybe you're, you're, you're hoping you got that lotto ticket that you win the job and you're going to be that guy who puts up crazy numbers and gets in the Heisman discussion. Because I think whoever starts 12 games at Ohio State is immediately in the Heisman discussion and will be in New York. Um, but Devin Brown is the athletic one. Kyle McCord is the more pocket passer. Now, Kyle McCord can move and Devin Brown can pass. So it's not as simple as that. Uh, again, it comes down to what they want to do offensively. Um, I think McCord has the edge. He's got the more experience. Similar to Milrell, we've seen what he can do, whereas Devin Brown we haven't seen as much of. Um, I think based on the scheme that they run, um, you know, so we saw C.J. Stroud run in the Georgia game. And so we're, we weren't surprised he could run, but we're like, well, he can really run. Uh, but that's not the way Ohio State wants to play football if they can avoid it. They want him to go through progressions. And I think that's what McCord is more like. He's a progression guy, uh, better fit in the system, especially with the wide receivers. They've got him just a loaded group. Um, and then Devin Brown will be, you know, perhaps the year after, or if McCord doesn't get it done, uh, he will be the Justin Fields type. Now, he's not as dynamic a talent as Justin Fields when it comes to running the football. We saw what Fields can do with the Bears, uh, you know, as a runner. Um, but less accomplished a pocket passer, you know, as a C.J. Stroud to me when you compare the two. And I think so. You've got McCord as Stroud and Devin Brown as Fields. It's a good problem to have, but McCord has the edge. Uh, uh, maybe a fascinating um, th- a turn of events to watch for Mike is down in Texas. You mentioned it earlier, Longhorns. Uh, Quinn Ewers, fresh off a haircut, by the way, looks fantastic. Uh, fresh off a haircut for Quinn Ewers. But there's a little, a little kid by the name of Arch Manning that's, uh, that's bumping around that campus down there in Austin. Obviously, we know his name. Everyone's going to be thinking about Arch Manning. Um, you know, Quinn Ewers, you know, is, is had one year, a little, little injury there. So I don't know if we saw really the full package and in, in, uh, in what he can offer, Mike. But is Arch going to play? Are we going to see Arch Manning on the field in 2023? Or is it going to be a situation like, you know, Tim Tebow, Chris Leak, where he's got a certain package? How do you anticipate Sark and, and the Longhorns using Arch in 2023? So from what I've told is that the Mannings don't want Arch to play. They want him to redshirt. And I think the reason there's such a strong stance on this is because, and I, and I think – and again, this is all secondhand. I, I don't know, you know, Cooper Manning. I don't know Peyton. I don't know Eli. I don't know uh, Archie, the grandfather. I don't know anybody, right? I don't know Arch. Uh, but this is what I hear from sources. And, and I think the reason, if that's true, there's such a strong stance on this, is because I don't think anybody, Sark or the Mannings, want a situation where every time you were supposed to pick or a bad pass or an incompletion on third down, that the crowd is chanting, you know, arch, arch, arch. I don't think they want that. I don't think that's good for anybody. Um, and I don't think it's good for especially Arch's development coming from really low-level competition in the state of Louisiana where he played well against, you know, just sisters of the poor and then stepped up in competition and really struggled. I think they want him to have a developmental year. They know there's no rush. I mean, Arch plays two years in college. He's a three and out kid, probably first pick in the draft, just based on pedigree alone. Um, and I think they also don't want to put anybody in that situation where it's like, you know, every, not every, every game is a debate. Every quarter there's a debate as to who the starter should be. 
Um, now, Quinn Ewers, people are going to think I'm stupid, but this haircut is a very significant thing. Um, and, and people are being like, what are you talking about? So <laughs> when women change their hair, I don't, I'm not a woman, but when women change their hair, it's a big deal. You know, I'm going to go short. I'm going to go long and do this, that, and the other. It's a big deal. When men do it, it's like, whatever, you know, just cut it. Just, just make it look reasonable. I don't need, you know, but sometimes, you know, guys want fades or whatever they want. Like I'm like a hack guy. I don't give a crap. But I will tell you this, this is what I heard. So Quinn Ewers is uh, more focused and dedicated to getting better this year than ever before. Last year, he showed signs in the Alabama game and at other times of being that guy with a magical arm who could be potentially the number one pick in the draft. Just that type of talent. But he also was erratic. He threw too many picks. He forced the ball too much. He, you know, he has a strong arm. He's trying to do too much with it. I heard that, you know, this is a real sort of settle down, important, get serious about this. Even not, not that he wasn't serious before, but just get double down on seriousness. And the hair was part of that. Um, the hair was fun. It was funny. You know, look at the mullet. It's great. Look at this free spirited kid. Look at this, you know, uh, Quinn Ewers, you know, he doesn't give a crap about anything or what anybody says about him. You know, that falls in line with the lack of potential seriousness of his craft. Um, you know, even though I don't think it correlates in his mind, I think it correlates in other people's mind. And I think this haircut was part of that. It's like, okay, no more messing around. No more of the hair. No more of the mullet. No more of this garbage. I'm Quinn Ewers, future NFL quarterback. I'm here on a mission, and I'm going to do serious things this year. So I think he's going to be very, very good. I think Arch is going to sit, and then I think it's going to be Arch's turn after that. So by sit, obviously the redshirt rule says he could play four games. So do you think he doesn't see the field at all? He's off the field all season long, or do you think they try to run him in there for some mop-up duty here and there? This is so hard to manage. Um, you know, obviously you don't want him taking a full year off with no – you know, yeah. uh, game experience whatsoever. But Sark has to be extremely careful about this. So the four game limit, as you mentioned, I think you'll see Arch red shirt and I think you'll see him in mop up duty. And this is pure mop up duty when they're up three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, uh, when the game is out of hand and they've played well. I don't think you're going to see Arch in there if they are losing, you know, to Oklahoma is not a great example, but let's say they're losing to TCU. Ewers has thrown two picks. They're down 20 points. The game's over. Let's throw Arch in there because if he throws three straight completions, the, everything blows up. You got the media. So even if he comes in and mop up duty where they're killing somebody, um, there's still going to be questions. You know, everything's going to be Arch, 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 Arch. You know, Ewers could throw four touchdowns, no interceptions, 250 yards. Uh, 67 to 75% completion rate against Kansas, and they win by 30. Uh, not that they could beat anybody 30 these days, but they, let's say they win by 30. And Arch comes in in the fourth quarter and goes four for five. Every question is going to be about Arch. So this has to be managed really, really well. I think you'll see him. I think you'll see him enough to, you know, get a feel for him, get him experience, but also not enough for him to avoid a red shirt but I think it's going to be very, very calculated as to when you're going to see him. And that's as important as anything here. 
it's a one-year sample size, so I get that. But we obviously Quinn Ewers did not make it through a full season last year. Hudson Card is now at Purdue, came in, played a handful of games. What if Quinn gets injured, Mike? Who's who's the backup? Is it Arch? Is it Malik Murphy? Is it Charles Wright? That that gets even more spicy if you know uh, that shoulder injury in week two. You know, knocks knocks Quinn out for four to six. Are we trotting out Arch Manning at that point? <laughs> well, this is why I think. The winners in the Arch Manning sweepstakes were Georgia and Alabama. Uh, I really do think they were the winners. Like Sark needed this recruit. He needed this recruitment because Sark is, you know, listen, he's finished year two. Things are iffy. Saban didn't need this garbage. You know, Kirby didn't need this garbage. They recruited Arch. They wanted Arch. You know, but I, for both situations, honestly, and it was more so Alabama when I, when they said, Alabama, we want to be the only quarterback in this class. Nick Saban said no, you know, and I think it was Holstein he got first. Um, and, and Georgia didn't recruit a quarterback last year, except for Arch, pretty much. Uh, but they went after Caleb, Caleb Williams in the portal. And, and the Mannings kind of said, we don't want you going after Caleb Williams in the portal. And, and Kirby was like, I got to do what I got to do. Like, I'm not going to. So this is why they didn't, they, they, they are avoiding this headache because the, the question you asked is a great one. Quinn Ewers gets hurt, what do you do? You know, you've got very untested players behind him. You've got a season where Sark's job is kind of on the line because it always is in Texas, but he's in year three now. The crowd, the boosters, everybody's going to want Arch in there. Let's say you put Malik Murphy in there, and let's say he's average. Not great, not bad. And remember, this was a former, you know, high four-star. Some had him as a five-star talent that people were comparing to, you know, Cam Newton in in his physical stature. Then you're, you're screwed. Uh, you didn't use Arch. Now, this is so many different sides of this. If you don't use Arch, that's obviously acquiescing to the Manning family. I really don't think there's a way Texas can fire Sark if he follows through with what the Mannings want. This is how, this is how much power the Mannings have over this situation. If Arch says, I don't want to play, I don't want to, I want a red shirt, blah, 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 you know, go with Malik Murphy, go with Charles Ray, go with whoever. And you, you acquiesce to that. And, and Sark has a bad year, you know, let's say they go seven and five or something like that. I don't think they can get rid of them because the Mannings will step in. Now, that sounds stupid too, but th- this is like legit stuff. This is real, real political garbage. Um, but I think the pressure will be on Arch to play. If Quinn Ewers gets hurt, I think Arch will have to scrap this red shirt thing and he will have to play. I, I don't think there's going to be a situation where he's not playing if Quinn Ewers gets hurt. But all these other things, all these other factors, if Manning doesn't want to play, if Sark has to go to Malik Murphy or somebody else uh, and things go poorly, you're going to see a whole lot of controversy, political infighting, booster battles, uh, Manning family versus this, that, the other. Uh, and it's going to be a mess. I mean, an absolute mess. So what you just mentioned is the worst nightmare for Steve Sarkeesian. Worst nightmare ever that, that, you know, Ewers gets hurt and he has to make that decision. If you had to call it right now, does Arch finish his college career at Texas? Yeah, I, I this is a good one too, because I, I think so. And the reason I say this now, the Mannings have transferred before, um, you know, we had Eli drafted by the chargers and he transferred to the giants. And he just sort of said, I'm not playing for the chargers. So it's, it's, 
it's not out of character for the family to say, you know, we're, we're, we're moving on to something else, but this kid is under such scrutiny. This, 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 you know, five-star plus ranking, this number one recruit in the country, all this garbage that I think is just blown out of proportion for his talent level right now. I'm not saying he's not going to be the number one pick in the draft. If, if you gave me odds right now, if you said, I'll give you a plus 2000 on him being, you know, the number one pick, what are we in 2023? So it'd be 2024, 2025, 2026. The number one pick in the 2027 draft, I would take those odds. I would, I would bet money and take the plus 2000 because he's a man, you know? Um, but there's so much on the line here. I think the family wants him to stay at Texas, be brought along slowly at Texas, finish his career at Texas and not go into the portal. Well, you mentioned it, Mike, let's, let's talk really quickly. You said betting, uh, betonline.ag mm. is a, uh, a good sponsor. It's a good. nice time for you to I get that sponsor plug in there, Mike. Betonline.ag, I believe. I forgot I believe, all about believe it. is still the promo code, yes? Mm. Well, here, here's what's funny, too. Um, what's the meat company? Butcher Box. God, Butcher Box. I, I, I do so few podcasts, you know, because <laughs> I, we've already discussed this at the front. We did. I'm supposed to do at least once a week, right? I'm supposed to do maybe two a week. I'm supposed to build up a viewership. I'm supposed to have an audience. I got a, I got a, um, I got a check. It's not check. I mean, it was deposited into my Venmo or something like that. 36 cents, 36 cents. So I, this is an important read for me because this is another 36 cents. Uh, now this one says basketball is back. Basketball has been around for a while. So I'm going to say yep. March Madness is here. You know, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs for for this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup, info, player news, game trends at Bet Online. You know, and this is not just for basketball, uh, NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf. I've been golf golf uh, betting. I was uh, bored yesterday mm-hmm. uh, morning. So Rom and uh, <clears throat> I forget who else. I, I think it was Rom Morikawa. There were some big names on the early uh, tee yesterday at the Arnold Palmer. And yeah. I was Friday morning, I was bored. So I was live betting on, you know, betonline.ag. Um, so that's where to go. Betonline.ag, join, receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Use the code BLEAV uh, as the promo code to receive your rewards. You can get, you can bet on anything. Um, MMAs tonight, um, like I said, you got live golf betting. NFL, I made some good money down the stretch there. Um, I hit, I hit, you know, pretty strong in the playoffs. I didn't have the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. I had the Eagles winning, so I lost there. But I won most of the playoff games. So betonline.ag is where to go. I mean, everybody bets, but the the contests, the betting, the giveaways that they have um, are really attractive. And so there, I'm glad you reminded me. I, I just made my other thirty six cents. Well, I'll tell you this right now, Mike, if you're a sports fan, if you're a college fan, March Madness is the perfect time for you, because if your team's not in this thing, everyone loves a good bracket, right? Everyone fills out a bracket. You might as well get some money off that bracket. If you go to betonline.ag, you, you get some you get some coin, right? So you, you not only do you tell your friends you got a perfect bracket, maybe you get some some money in your Venmo, too, right? It's a win win for everybody. Well, you also you get that adrenaline high. I mean, you know, the, 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 you need that high. You need that high. If you want to go do drugs. Or drink, you can get that which, high. But you shouldn't. But if I you mean, want to gamble, you can see you get the same high. Right. Yeah. You can get it from running. You can get a runner's high. 
But from gambling, I mean, you get that high. Like, I don't know anything about college basketball whatsoever, but I'm always in a bracket pool. I'm always betting on the games constantly. I, I don't know, you know, what team's good, what team's bad. I don't know what the odds should be. I'll do a little research, though. Um, you know, college football is more my my jam, you know, and I do that uh, that uh, betting pros, you know, uh, podcast with Thor Nystrom uh, during the season. But I don't know anything about basketball, but I will tell you, I'll probably bet on every game. So, Online.ag, B-L-E-A-V is your promo code, Mike. We were talking quarterbacks a second ago. Uh, if any of these guys pan out, we may be talking about them in this segment three or four years down the road, although it's hard to imagine we're doing a podcast in three or four years. We haven't done one in three or four months, but we'll check back on that later. NFL draft is around, Mike. Combine going on as you and I are recording this. And there's really two stories dominating the combine, dominating the draft right now. One is a uh, decent story and one is not a good story. Let's start with that not good story. Jalen Carter, obviously a really talented defensive player out of Georgia. Uh, Many folks had him as number one on the board, uh, potentially the top overall pick, depending on who's drafting and where they're drafting. Uh, Mike, he got arrested, charged two misdemeanors uh, as part of the investigation into um, the unfortunate death of uh, a staffer and a player at Georgia. Uh, he's, he's, I should stay for everybody. He's, he's indicated he's innocent of these charges and uh, his name will be cleared once an investigation is taking place, Mike. But investigation is still indeed taking place. Uh, again, we're not going to comment on you know what he did or didn't do. Obviously, uh, a death is never a good thing, Mike. But how right, does this right. entire situation impact no. what you think happened from a draft stock standpoint? Well, it's, it's two misdemeanors. Uh, so right now, you know, again, we've seen accusations, not even arrests. I, I think Leo Collins dropped out of the draft entirely as a, as a projected late first rounder with accusations coming out right before the draft. He, he became an undrafted free agent. Now, it, it turns out, I guess, I don't know anything about legal ease or whatever. Um, they were unfounded accusations, um, you know, and he's put together a very nice career and he's recouped some of that money, but he could have been, you know, ruined. Uh, I don't know the situation, you know, here. I wasn't in one of the cars. I wasn't, you know, drag racing. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. I do know from a draft perspective, this will be interesting to follow because he is arguably the top talent in the draft. He's definitely one of the top two talents, non-quarterback, him and Will Anderson. Uh, there has been talk of him not getting past the first three picks. You know, if the Bears took somebody, they could take either Will Anderson or, or Jalen Carter. If they trade out, somebody will come up to number one and take a quarterback. That's clear. But then the Texans are at number two. They obviously need a quarterback. They might take, you know, whoever's left. It, it, I, right now I see – Oh, well, I see all sorts of things. I mean, I see Stroud and, and Bryce Young as the top two quarterbacks, but then there's this Will Levis garbage, and then there's this Anthony Richardson garbage, and I, I don't understand any of it, but there's a chance that one of those two guys could go up top. But let's put it this way. When you get to number three, um, you know, somebody's either going to trade up with Arizona or Arizona's going to take Jalen Carter, more likely than not. I think they're more likely to take him than Will Anderson. Um, you know, they've got Kyler Murray, which is another story altogether. He sucks and he's petulant. It's just a bad investment there, but he's, he, but with the, with the, with this, with, so here's the, the Arizona Cardinals with this, you know, issue, do you take Will Anderson who may be right there with him, different mm-hmm. player, he's an edge versus a defensive tackle. Do you take Will Anderson, you know, and, and then, you know, the Seahawks, what do they do? Do they take Tyree Wilson, Texas Tech, you know, instead of 
and, and then the free fall starts. So I've seen mock drafts where he's still in the top five. I still have him in the top five. I don't think he's going to fall. Usually when you see these situations, the instant reaction is, oh my gosh, he's going to free fall. And then NFL teams will weigh talent to this level. And now if he's a late first rounder or a second rounder, he could just drop. Uh, but a, a top five pick, talent is going to outweigh anything else short of, you know, jail time. Um, so I think Jalen Carter still goes in the top five. But I've seen some where he's fallen to the later part of the first round or the middle of the first round. I don't think he gets past Detroit, no matter what. If he's not doing jail time, Detroit needs uh, an interior lineman. Uh, they absolutely love him. If he's there, Detroit's taking him at six. So I don't think he's going to fall. That's my guess. I don't forget the Cardinals, new uh, defensive, uh, new coach, defensive coordinator of the Eagles last year, Jonathan Gannon. Obviously, they ran a pretty, a pretty good system. They had a, a bunch of big boys up front, so you, you would, uh, you would lead yourself to believe that that's a, a style Gannon wants to replicate. But to your point, a lot still has to play out here, right? I mean, obviously, um, you know, uh, at some point, Jalen Carter will have his opportunity to address these charges and 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 go through the legal process. And so we'll see where that shakes out. So that's kind of the bad news story, Mike. The more interesting, fun, I don't know how you think about this news story, has been the size of Bryce Young. Yes, Mike, size does matter. A lot of conversation. He uh, he weighed in mm -hmm. and he was measured today. So you and I are talking Saturday, 5'10 and 1 eighths. I don't know what that means. And uh, 204 pounds for, for Bryce Young. Uh, again, that was kind of the thing. How, you know, how's he going to measure? How big is he? Can he pull up in the NFL? But I know you are still, as you mentioned earlier, a, a huge proponent of Bryce Young being that top overall pick if the right team is there, obviously. Yeah, so 204 is about, you know, the, the over-under on this was mostly 195. So it's it's well over. So it's surprising to me. I thought he was going to come in on 188 or whatever. So he's done some bulking up and stuff. But he's not an idiot. I mean, he's not going to bulk up to the point where it's going to hurt his mechanics, it's going to hurt his release, it's going to hurt anything he does because he's just that – it factor quarterback at 185 or 204. I don't care. Um, and there's a few reasons I say this. When I first saw him in high school, I was like the same. I was like, this kid's way too small. Are you kidding me? You know, and I saw him in seven on seven settings. And I'm like, nothing wows me about this kid whatsoever. I mean, you know, yeah, he's got an okay arm. It's, it's, it's above average. He's got good accuracy, but he's tiny, you know. Then you see him in game film. And you're like, okay, there's still a debate. We had a very long debate between him and DJ Wongalele as far as who was going to be the number one quarterback in that particular class. Um, we ended up going Bryce Young, but DJ was number two, right behind him. It was close because DJ was big, six foot four, 225, blah, blah, blah. Saw Bryce Young again. And the next time I saw him, I was like, okay, all right. Then I saw him again in his senior year. Uh, and he played head to head against DJ. And then he just kept winning. And then you see his patience, his vision, his, his everything slows down for him. The game is slow for him. Um, he never rushes anything, never panics anything. Just this, this, this real amazing ability uh, to have everything slow around him and never panic. Uh, it's kind of like what you see now from Mahomes. Um, certain guys have it, and he does. So then he went off to college. Uh, had the career I expected him to have as the number one quarterback in our class. Uh, I will not doubt him again. I will not. I doubted him for two years, and his dad was always in my ear. His dad was very, very loud and verbose about his son's talents uh, for a long time. 
he was one of those quarterback dads, you know, helicopter type of dad. But he backed off too. To his credit, he really backed off and let Bryce blossom on his own as a college football player. I'm not going to doubt him. I don't care. He's just a special talent. He's the best quarterback in this class. There's no doubt in my mind. And people will point to, well, you're the one who said Mahomes wasn't a good pick for the Chiefs and all that stuff. Everything I didn't like about Mahomes is what makes him great. All the off-platform, weird, risky stuff, throw it over your shoulder, throw it underhand, extend the play, throw it across your body. Everything you're not supposed to do as a quarterback, he does, gets away with, and is perfected, and he's a rarity. Um, Bryce Young is the rare five foot ten, hundred and ninety pound quarterback. Is you know two oh four is a little fucked up to me. Who won't get hurt? He just knows how to take hits, when to take hits, how to get out of bounds, when not to get. You know, it just there's guys that have that ability, um, and so I don't think durability or size is going to be an issue here. He's my number one guy, but I've seen multiple people have, you know. C.J. Stroud ahead of him or Anthony Richardson, number one, or Will Levis, number one. If the Colts trade up, I, I don't know where he's going to go, but I know whoever gets him is going to get a special quarterback. Yeah, that's one of my favorite uh, new uh, uh, phenomenons with the mock drafts is with the Colts hiring Steichen from uh, from Philadelphia. The thinking being he's going to want to install a Jalen Hurts style offense that he just ran in Philadelphia. Who better to do that than a bigger, faster, stronger version of that in Anthony Richardson? So there's a lot of these new mocks, Mike. I uh, love your take on Anthony Richardson, number one overall, just based on new head coach Dane Steichen trying to basically replicate that Eagles offense with uh, with him in the Jalen Hurts role. Well, I, I like Anthony Richardson as a player. I like him as a kid. I think he does all the right things. I think he's a high-character kid. You know, you have to love his size. Uh, it, it's maddening to me how inconsistently accurate he is. It's maddening to me. Like, he's that guy that needs to get in a rhythm. And if he's not in a rhythm, then he's completely out of rhythm. And by that, I mean when he is off or when the defense throws him something that puzzles him, he's just bad. He's just not good. There's no way for him to figure that out. Um, you know, when he's on, he's on, uh, he can run. He's not a willing runner though, to me, you know, people say, Oh, he's a Cam Newton. Look at some of these runs. No, Cam Newton wanted to run, didn't mind running, ran you over. Uh, they had scripted running plays for Cam Newton. That was part of his game and he knew it. Um, you know, so they say, and then, you know, look at the size of Josh Allen. He's Josh Allen. Well, Josh Allen was very inaccurate out of college, too. Stunk his first two years in the NFL, and he's a one out of ten. Risk. You take a risk on Josh Allen, one out of ten times, you're probably going to be right. So is Anthony Richardson a one out of ten guy? I don't know. I wouldn't take him that way. I'm higher on him than Will Levis. Will Levis, I, it's nothing against the kid. I, you know, I mean, I, I don't like mayonnaise in my coffee, and I don't eat bananas with the skin on it, but I just don't see anything. I, I see the arm. I know the arm. I'm not an idiot. I see the arm. The arm's special. Um, it, the arm was special at Penn State when he was doing that that YouTube video or whatever. Where he was throwing the ball everywhere he wanted to, and, and I'm going to hit this garbage can 80 yards down, and he hits it right. You know, he can do whatever he wants, but that's against nobody. You know, he played Tennessee last year. Their defense stunk. He was awful. Played Vanderbilt. Their defense stunk. Awful. And those were like two games. You just pop in the film. You see Will Levis is not good. Anthony Richards just is up and down and really a risk. To me, you know, it's Bryce Young based on film, based on ability. 
then it's C.J. Stroud, based on what we saw in the Georgia game, where he can run and is a willing runner if needed be. Then it's a huge drop. But all four of these guys are going to go in the top ten. And two of them are going to suck. And I'm going to say Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are going to suck. Leave it at that, Mike. I got three quick topics I'm going to hit with you before we get out of here. Um, realignment is rearing its ugly head again. A lot of conversation. The Pac-12 trying to get a TV contract. I don't know. Apparently, the Ion Network didn't work out for them. Maybe we can have them here on the Mike Real Sports YouTube channel. Maybe we can make a bid, Mike. We can get the the Pac-12 rights here for football. But uh, a lot of people are trying to figure out <laughs> trying to figure out what that TV contract is going to be. That's going to obviously understand the uh, you know what kind of money is available. If it's not there, the rumors are schools are looking to go to the Big 12, where Brett Yormark has. Been been open for business and has said as much every time a microphone is near his face mike so uh what do you take on these latest realignments uh rumors do you any credence on anybody from the pac-12 leaving to go anywhere big 12 big 10 whatever not right now but i mean it, it, eventually what's going to have to happen i think the pac-12 loses here and i think the big 12 wins because they're, they're both not going to be able to exist um you know, you've got the SEC and you've got the uh, the Big Ten in really good financial status. You know, Big Ten with their new contract, uh, SEC with their upcoming contract. The ACC has the, you know, the the, the grant of rights issue twenty twenty thousand thirty six. You know, you're stuck in a TV contract. Uh, you're stuck in that grant of rights um, issue. I, I don't know what's going to happen there. Somebody will eventually sue, I believe, to try to get mm -hmm. out of that. Uh, well, not just to interrupt you, but you, you know, saw Florida stuck. Florida State was talking about how much money it would take to get out of that, right? right? There was that that public conversation with the AD. So people are already, to your point, exploring that at the ACC level. Yeah, and so Clemson is too. Um, you know, and and again, it's um, it's it's hard to get out of something like that. I mean, they will have to legally challenge it, or you know, suck it up and pay an, a, a, just an obscene amount of money to get out of it. And then there's the talk of, you know, potential revenue restructuring, you know, oh, you, we're, the, we're Florida State and Clemson, we make up 30% of the revenue, but we only get 14%, blah, blah, blah. No, that's not going to happen either because there's no way on earth that teams like Wake Forest and Syracuse are going to say, oh, yeah, sure, you have more. Um, it's just not going to happen. So they really have to challenge getting out of the ACC and having the ability, if they get the freedom to, to look at um, – you know, realignment or to be wooed by other conferences, then you can get a, re, you know, a restructuring of, of, you know, revenue investment. Then you can have, you know, TV networks come and say, okay, well, you know, maybe we can renegotiate. But until that happens, that's not going to happen. The Pac-12 um, is in big trouble. They can't sell their product to anybody. Washington and Oregon have been rumored to be, you know, looking at the Big Ten and hoping to go to the Big Ten. Um, if they do, Cal and Stanford will likely go with them. Um, that would be great for the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten is interested because they don't just want to have UCLA and USC as sure. that two loan schools out west. They want to be able to sell the student athlete stuff where, you know, other programs, you know, from the West Coast have to travel to Rutgers and Rutgers has to travel. The, the equality of it all makes sense. Um, Ohio State canceling their 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 home and home series against Washington reeks to me of, of some sort of future TV revenue issue. Uh, it's just something about it doesn't speak to me because, yeah, Ohio State can make all the excuses in the world. We don't know what our schedule is going to be against UCLA and USC. Um, you know, we have obviously, you know, we need more home games those two years. We're, we're going to be playing Texas in 2025. All that Ohio State never ducks anybody ever. They just don't. You know, it, it's it's. 
they would probably win both of those games and uh, they would probably um, rise in the rankings because of it. So there's something there. Uh, and Washington's pissed because this mm-hmm. is a, a thing. Washington and, and others, they can't schedule a lot of conference games because they're not attractive because their league stinks and, and their league is about to go away. So my take on this is that the big 12 and the Pac-12 should work together, but the new commissioners are not doing that. They already don't like each other. The big 12 will survive. They're in better, better shape uh, stability wise, and they will take a few of the teams from the Pac-12 when it does not land the contract it wants and poach a few. Uh, and then perhaps the, the Oregon, Washington, Cal, um, Stanford to big 10 will occur. So I think you're going to take the pick the Pac-12, take those four teams I just mentioned, put them in the Big Ten, take the others, put them in the Big 12. And the SEC would be interested in Florida State and Clemson if they can get out of that horrible deal that they've signed. So quite a future for uh, for college football now, Mike. Here's another topic that I, maybe I'm just overplaying this. I want to get your, your thoughts on this. And uh, for those who don't know, I live in the state of Florida, so I see a lot more Florida dominating headlines than, than many other things. And the, the Florida Gators have had a couple of coaches of late, Mike, who have left uh, their staff and headed to the NFL. And it seems like there's a bit of a, a bit of a shift, Mike, where a lot of coaches are getting out of college and getting into the NFL now. Common sense would tell you that a lot of people want to get to the best league in the world, right? So you want to prove yourself at the top level, the highest level. But do you have any concern with the way college athletics is right now with NAL, with free transfer, with all the kind of the other the other stuff that goes on around it, that college coaches are getting kind of sick of this and we may see more good coaches take off and leave to go to the NFL where you don't have to deal with this kind of nonsense? Yeah, I know it's going to happen. I know it's been happening for over two years. I had a discussion with a couple coaches that um, were at the time coordinators who have since taken head coaching jobs elsewhere um, that they weren't going to stay unless they got a head coaching job. You know, they'll put up with it if you're the head coach, if you're running your own program and you can delegate and do this, that and the other. They will not put up with it if you're a seasoned, you know, offensive or defensive coordinator, you've got a good resume. Somebody in the NFL wants you to come even be your quarterback coach or passing game coordinator or whatever, not even the OC. And I'm not talking Todd Monken here. Like Todd Monken went from OC at Georgia to OC at, at Baltimore. I'm talking like a, a, a positional step down, you know, maybe even monetarily neutral or a step down um, just to get out of this mess. Because, you know, there's an issue where in the NFL – you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about the draft. You sure. don't have to worry about roster management. You don't have to worry about contracts. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. In college football, you have to worry about all of it. And, and, you know, well, what do you have to worry about the draft? Well, okay. It all ties in with NAL. It all ties in with, you know, playing time and this, that, and the other. Uh, I'm not getting enough reps, coach. You know, I, it's not allowing me to make my name, image, and likeness uh, enough you know, to, to, to make me some money. And it's also hurting my draft stock. Thus, I'm going to jump into the portal, which is free and easy. And I could do it in two seconds. Uh, and the other part of it is, you know, I'm not getting as much as, you know, player B uh, when it comes to NIL, what are you going to do about it? And, and it falls on the coaches to handle these situations. I know of three different schools uh, since February signing day that have had to have position only meetings with their players to talk about NIL, to talk about what's been promised to the recruits in the 2023 class at their position versus what they're potentially going mm-hmm. to make in NIL versus what they're making versus other players on the team in NIL. 
And it's not like just, what are you going to do for me? It's what are you doing for them? I know one school that signed, I'm not going to give the exact number, but I'll, I'll say more than six defensive linemen. And that particular group of defensive linemen, each of those more than six was promised to be the number one NIL priority on the team at defensive line. So those more than six finally all talked to each other after they signed. He told you that, told me that. And then it got to the current players on the team. And they're like, they're, they're telling kids who haven't played a down of football. And it's a real mess. And coaches don't want to deal with it. It's hurting their credibility as human beings. So, yeah, we're going to lose many, many more coaches. It's just not it, – it was never fun being a college coach. I always respected college coaches because I knew stories, you know, you're, you got like two weeks of vacation, right? And sure. usually it's in July. At the end of July, you got a chance. You know, there, there's dead periods in recruiting, but there's never dead periods. And you're 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 in, away with your family, and you're you're being blown up by kids, text messages, this, that, and the other. You know, and, and you're you know dead period. You're not supposed to be able to text. Whatever, none of that matters. You're you're trying to have a good vacation, and you're being you know pulled in many different different directions. You're trying to explain to your family. Uh, that, you know, oh, I got to, you know, I got to go text this kid or, to, you know, FaceTime with this kid or whatever. Now it's a hundred times worse. And I'm talking 15 years ago, 10 years ago, we're talking about where it was very hard to maintain. Now it's impossible. Now it's, there's no peace. There's no vacation. It's 365 days a year. Burnout factor is going to be insane. So you're going to see less experienced coaches in college football. It's going to lead to a lesser product. And you can see a lot of guys jump into the NFL just to take lesser jobs. All right, last one. Uh, I know we joke about this, but I'm, I'm genuinely curious in your in your take on some of these new professional spring leagues. Obviously, the XFL is out now. On-field product isn't great, Mike. I think we all can see that, right? USFL is coming back for another season. Um, but as somebody who watches a lot of football and and scouts a lot of kids and knows how important it is to get you know film out there, put stuff on tape, how important do you think these professional spring leagues are for some of these guys? And do you think there's actually viability into some of these guys who are in these leagues getting opportunities to play? I know there's a handful of guys out there. Cavante Turpin's probably the, the biggest name, went from the USFL to a pro bowler for the Dallas Cowboys, right? But what, generally speaking, what are your thoughts on these spring leagues? Are they, are they good for players to get this opportunity to get more film out there and maybe keep the dream alive? Mm, I mean, they're not bad, but... You know, if, if you're in a situation where you can do that for a few years, you know, and live off of what you're being paid and keep the dream alive, I, it's not bad. It's a bad product. I mean, I wanted the reboot of the USFL I wanted to like because I'm an old guy and the, the first USFL to me was extremely intriguing. I wasn't one of those people that was like, this sucks. Because back then the NFL wasn't as popular a product as it sure. is now. Um, so when you saw guys like, you know, um, Anthony Carter, of, yeah, you know, Doug Flutie, Michigan, Herschel Doug, Walker, Jim Kelly. I mean, they had Doug a lot of big guys. Flutie, Herschel Walker. Uh, yeah. Keith Byers, Jim, Ke Jim Kelly famously um, um, spurned the Bills to go sign with the Houston Gamblers, right? I mean, that's and obviously Jim Kelly's a Hall of Fame NFL yeah. player. He spurned that he did not want to play in Buffalo. <laughs> he went and played for the USFL Houston Gamblers. And, and and if you remember, Steve Young got that amazing uh, lifetime contract from the LA Express, which was worth, I believe at the time, a guaranteed $8 million, which now is like hilarious because horrible quarterbacks are asking for $45 million a year now. But 
you know, they had good players and they were competing directly with the NFL and it was intriguing. So the USFL did one smart thing. They, they rebranded themselves, but they stuck with those old teams and those old logos and those old, you know, it was kind of cool. But then you watch the product and it's like, this is horrible. This is hmm. awful. I can't watch this. Um, and you see just bad football players trying to hang on to their dreams and maybe one or two of them will catch on, you know, and, and make an NFL roster because of it. I think it's fine. I'm just not going to watch it. I'm not going to consume it. There's nothing that, that, that about it is intriguing to me. As much as I miss football and want football, I'm not watching that garbage. I'd rather, you know, bet on golf, live holes, or I'd rather, you know, watch basketball that I don't know anything about, or even, you know, focus on spring football. It's a bad product. So, you know, you have the NBA, you know, with the rookie league and all that stuff, which is kind of intriguing to me. Um, the NFL would never do that because obviously there's a whole lot more opportunity to get injured. Um, and I don't think there's a solution for it. So spring football will never be what it was. You know, we can blame Trump for everything in life, including the USFL, because he pushed them and pushed sure, them yeah. and pushed them forward to try to compete with them in the fall. If you've seen the 60, uh, the, the, the 30 for 30 documentary on the USFL, it's it, go see it if you haven't. It's really fascinating about how amazingly uh, brash and arrogant his ego mm. was and how he pushed this league to compete after like what? One year, essentially, it was in their second year to go head to head with the NFL when that was something they had momentum. In, in three years, they could have really pushed the NFL, which wasn't what the NFL is now popularity wise, to actually maybe absorb a couple of those teams and, and you know, he just ruined it all. So Trump ruined it all. Um, it'll never be good again in the spring. I do have breaking news for you, though. What do you got? Jackson Mahomes is accused of assault. Yeah, yeah. So there's a video going around of him forcing himself on a bar owner and kissing her. Yep. And honestly, this is kind of one of the happiest days of my life. because I can't think of a bigger turd. I don't know him. But I just, everything about him makes me want him to go away. So that's good news. Um, so spring football, bad. Jackson Mahomes, um, you know, potentially imprisoned. Good. Uh, I believe I read with that as well that the bar owner said one out of uh, only one of four times when he comes into that place is it a pleasurable experience is typically some sort of issue and problem. We should tell everybody Jackson Mahomes has said he's innocent, by the way. He didn't do nothing wrong. And uh, he also will be exonerated. Right. Allegedly, allegedly, mm -hmm. that's the word you use when you want to cover everything up. And allegedly, he uh, assaulted this woman. We don't know the circumstances around this video itself. And the fact that it's only 25% of the time he's in an annoying nightmare is really surprising to me because that's a that's a high no, no, it's 25% of the time he's not 100 times 25% of the yeah. time he's not in a nah, nightmare. But yeah. still, that's yeah. high. That is high. I thought it would be one out of 100 times Fair. that he's not an annoying jerk. So 1% is my take, but now it's, you know, but did you saw the interview with Mahomes? And this is the funny part about Mahomes. Like Mahomes is such a nice kid uh, and he's, he's very articulate and he's very, when he gets around Travis Kelsey, he turns instant, uh, you know, street tough guy. Hmm. He starts talking like Kelsey. He starts, blah, 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 blah. and there's one time I think they're both being interviewed. I'm not sure if that's true or not. It could just be Mahomes, but he's talking. And in the background, you see Jackson Mahomes doing a TikTok garbage. 
And it's just the, the, the microcosm of the world. We have the best athlete in the NFL, the greatest NFL player currently winning another Super Bowl. And, and I won't even get into his wife because that's just another level of annoyance I can't even go to. But his asshat brother, and he just – Allegedly asshat. He's got to be like – Alleged asshat brother. He's got to be like, what did I do? What, what, why did I get stuck with this? You know, I could see you marry wrong. That's on you. That's your mm. choice. Bad yeah. on you. you. Your brother, you have no, you're just stuck. It's not stuck. your fault. So anyways, that's the breaking news here. And I hope he's canceled. <laughs> well, that's a, a surprising end to the uh, uh, the latest edition of the Mike Farrell Sports Talk Show. It's been a while since we've been on, so a supersized edition. This one's a little bit over an hour, Mike. I think people hopefully will get their fix and their fill of what they've missed with the show. But hopefully they're not missing out on your website, MikeFarrellSports.com. I know you and the, and the gang over there are hard at work and, and pumping out more and more content every day. Give some folks some flavor of what they can find on MikeFarrellSports.com and maybe what's to come. <clears throat> Well, I'll give you some flavor about a company that I think is absolutely horrible that is hosting our URL, URL right now, which is GoDaddy. Uh, I, I will uh, besmirch their name right now. Mm. Uh, we okay. had an issue with a certificate, an, an SSL or some sort of little technical glitch, right? I don't know anything about it. I hit my tech guy up. I'm like, you know, we're, we're having this issue where when you click on our website, you get like security issue and this website's not safe. I'm like, we got to fix this. He's like, well, just get me into GoDaddy, man. I'll fix it in two seconds. Well, I, I signed up for GoDaddy before I moved. I had a previous email address under my cable company, which is no longer existent. I didn't change my email address. Mm. My fault, right? But you, when you move, you, you're supposed to change your email address for what, 180 different things? You're not going to remember all of them. Couldn't, long story short, couldn't get into GoDaddy for two weeks. You know, was on customer service. You're on hold to get to somebody for an hour. And then when you get to somebody, they don't know what they're doing. Took me two weeks to resolve this just to log in. He fixed it in two seconds, but our traffic absolutely plummeted, plummeted. And we're talking like 60% dip for two weeks. So we're on the rise again. We're back. Security issues gone. Go daddy and go to hell. Once my URL is up, I'm getting out of here, not dealing with you anymore. I'll promote whatever your competition is. And the content is good. Um, this is a tough time of year for content. You know, we're, do, we're focusing a lot more on recruiting stuff because that's what people want to consume right now. Spring football, we'll be focusing on NFL draft. We've got a bunch of stuff up there for the NFL draft. Uh, but it's, it's a tough time of year for content. So if you're looking for it, it's free. It costs you nothing to go on the website, to click and read the story. Um, you'll get some stuff that I think is kind of intriguing for this horrible, horrible time of year. Um, and if you did have any experience poor with our website, uh, it's GoDaddy's fault, not ours, and that's been fixed. MikeFarrellSports.com, bookmark it, go to it, check it out. Again, I know Mike and the staff there are working hard to to give you something. And to your point, Mike, it's a tough period of time if you're a college football fan. Um, yeah, obviously there's realignment stuff, and that's that's a lot of the news going on there. But Mike Farrell Sports and the gang over there will always keep you uh, up to date. You should also do two other things for us. If you're watching on YouTube, um, hit that little subscribe button here and uh, make sure you, uh, you, you follow along. Anytime Mike posts something on YouTube, you'll get a chance to see that. And if you're listening to us in your eardrums on some sort of a podcast, 
podcast player feed. Subscribe to that as well. And big thank you to Believe Network for their continued support and hosting the show. Uh, and I'm going to hold, look, I, apparently I, I got to hold Mike accountable. This is my fault. I am here. I'm, I'm here to take the loss. I'll take the L. I will be the Jackson Mahomes of this particular situation. I will be the loser on this one. Mm-hmm. I will make sure that uh, I, I get Mike onto the uh, onto the podcast screen more mm-hmm. often so that he can share more annoyances with you and uh, things that he does not like. You're going to hate doing that, too, because I'm really not a pleasant person. But you're going to have to just nudge me and say, hey, mm-hmm. let's do one this week. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And it's just I, it, everything yeah. about it for you is bad. It's just not yeah. good for you. Welcome to my life. I was actually thinking about texting you the other day. I was going to text you and say, did we break up? Because I hadn't heard from you in a while. But I saw the site was going. So I thought maybe Mike's just taking some time off. Maybe he's just enjoying the some quiet time. He's happy no, no, in the no. recruiting. I figured, I I picture you, by the way, don't, don't break this memory for me. But I picture you in some sort of a dark room with a lab coat on, with all the players on the walls. And you're just getting rankings together. And you're moving stuff around. Is that how that works? Because that's how I picture what you're doing when you're not on this podcast cast and yelling at small children and animals Mm-mm. no Mm-mm. no i'm writing gibberish and I'm, I'm you know i'm talking to people about stuff and trying to get you know information about stuff but no none of that occurs um hmm. and you know i'm the type of person that i will i will break up with you by ghosting you so i mean hmm. you know if you want this relationship to continue you're gonna have to continue to like nudge me but i don't know man i don't know what it is i got a mental block with it i i just this will get what I don't know, 132 people, and I know you have to do more and build up. Like your your podcast was like this at the beginning. My guy Matt Perkins, my editor in chief, his Wisconsin podcast hit an algorithm on YouTube, and it mm. blew up. And now he's getting like six thousand on each one of his Wisconsin podcasts, and now he's got sponsors coming in. It just hit an algorithm. It just randomly hit one, and it was because of the coaching change, you know. It's all it takes, but he never stopped. I mean, when he was getting like 20 listeners a week, he did it for five years every week, never, ever stopped. And he finally hit, and now he's happy. And that's what I have to do, but I'm just such a petulant baby that I don't want to do it. So we're going to do it more. You're going to bother me about it. And then now I'll, I'll acquiesce. And, and I do enjoy doing them when we do it. I mean, this was an hour and 17 minutes. This was good. I think there's a lot of information in here. Uh, and the other part about it is, too, you'll get me the audio, you'll get me the video. I will probably bug you for cut-ups. I'll promote those cut-ups. I'll put it out there. I'm going to get it on the website, too. If you notice, a lot of times our podcasts, even though we're in tremendous YouTube video form, I don't even put them on the website. So how are people going to find it if it's not on the website? Everything I do is wrong when it comes to building a podcast. I might as well just talk into you know a garbage can. But I'm going to try harder to do better to get this word out there more. And, and to be honest, my Facebook following is way up. Uh, oh, Instagram is, is solid. Twitter, Twitter's up. I mean, I have the audience. So I think we'll start to see the numbers grow. But it's really on me to, like, get out of my, um, my shell and, and actually promote this. Damn actually, I actually think if you did a podcast in a trash can, that actually might hit for you. That could be the algorithm that you need. Now, you'd also be a meme on the internet, right? <laughs> Where just see Mike, Mike's face inside of a trash can. I'm sure that'll be used every time you have a bad take, but that could be the thing that hits for you. We may need to, let's workshop that. My, 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 my Mahomes uh, tweet, um, that, that's my meme. People bring that's it. Right. I just said something about Bryce Young being the best quarterback. 80,000 people put up my Mahomes. So that's my meme. It'll last forever. 
Yeah, yeah it's just it's always going to live and it'll never die. And that's just the way it is. So uh, I've already got that. But yeah, I would do it. If I got a sponsor or two, I would, I would definitely talk into a garbage can. I don't care. So, maybe a garbage can company. Hefty. Maybe garbage we'll, bag company something let's do one by uh let's make a goal let's do one by uh friday it's Deal. saturday now let's do one by next friday all right yeah. well keep do checking it. these feeds keep checking the youtube channel keep checking myfrailsports.com find out if we can actually live up to our word everybody have a fantastic day week month however long it is between episodes thanks for tuning in and we will check you all later thank you for listening to believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.